Hmm, that's weird. That's weird. Kind of weary me out. You are a sad, strange little man. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Isn't that weird? That's weird, man. It's strange. What's up, campers? Welcome back to episode 103 of Camp Strange. I am your camp counselor, Alex Tobin. And I'm your other camp counselor, David Stokes. And we're back to bring this spooky, wacky, weird, strange, and adventurist survivalist. Ooh. But before we get into our longer stories, we got to catch you up on any of the news you may have missed. And David and I, off microphone, off podcast we're just talking about how there is a huge a huge surge in nintendo switch sales when you know all this uh quarantine started happening but david there's also another surge of an item are you talking about surge as... soda no we're not talking about... no one's ever drinking surge soda do you drink surge you know, soda they i i there's a gas station here that sells it Oh, it's probably they probably got it's the shipment awful. back in the early 2000s and still haven't sold their 12 cans. It's like anyway. if you took a Mountain Dew and you concentrated double the sugar, <laughs> and then gave it a 90s logo, basically. Yeah, and they I only thought... sell it in those Tall Boy cans, and so it's just like this is just too much surge. I feel it's like if you much. open up a surge, it's just gonna be like Nickelodeon slime in there or something like yeah. that. Yeah, um, you ever it reminds me of thick s- water. <laughs> It reminds me of Slurm from uh, Futurama. Slurm, yeah. you know, like that shit. And it finds a cool just like, ass slug. Yeah, isn't it just like slug, sludge or something, slime? Probably. Or anyway. Yeah. But no, there it's not Surge, David. It's COVID. I'll just read the headline. COVID-19 lockdowns have led to a huge spike in sex doll sales. Ooh, oh. we got a horny story for all you campers out there. Love it. But but here's the thing. Um these companies are saying that you know they're they're slanging i think they're what's the percentage on this i don't know they're selling like 20 to 25 a month at this point um so oh the increased sales of 30 or 40 uh, 30 to 40% and apparently which is very interesting i thought it was just going to be a bunch of guys um mm-hmm. you know buying these and then i was going to be like you women have it so easy. You guys can hide your toys very easily. Well, I got to put mine in a coffin in my closet, apparently. <laughs> or, like, take it apart and put it in a suitcase or something. That's what – in this article, they have a person who put it in their suitcase as, like, a travel item, which is crazy oh, if you wow. see that go through the x-ray machine. But it's not just guys. It's couples who are buying it for each other, which is very strange because okay. – there's a real life human in front of you. Maybe. Maybe it could be some long distance stuff going on here and they can't get to each other. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. I didn't really think about it that way. Yeah. But um the the sex doll shop um named Cherry Banana which is <laughs> kind of a, funny. That's a very dis- that's a discreet name for a sex doll site. <laughs> exactly. Um but I guess they've been getting a lot of requests. They've been getting, you know, male and female dolls uh requests, but they've also been getting some strange requests like um including dolls without genitals, which is kind of interesting, which maybe that's kind of maybe a you know, you want company, but you don't necessarily yeah. want people to think you're having sex. Well, you just want to hang out with maybe cuddle. Yeah. Maybe cuddle. Um a doll with a tail and a doll with three breasts. Yeah. I mean, Total Recall was a great movie. I was going to say that. <laughs> I remember when I was like 10 and I saw that movie for the first time. It blew my fucking mind. I still love that family guy. It was like, oh, like the the 
chick from Total Recall. He's like, you know, one of them was paper mache. He's like, yeah, we know one of them was paper mache. Don't don't bring it up or something like that. <laughs> Doesn't ruin uh, it. Exactly. But um, but yeah, I just thought it was so interesting. And uh, you know, anybody out there who has a stimulus check that they need to, uh, you know, burn a hole through. Go find Cherry Banana, and you know they're, they're probably backordered at this point. But see if they got any custom, new custom add-ons, and if you got a nice custom add-on, tell us what it is. I'm curious to know, like maybe a unicorn horn, right? That's a pretty well, good one. You know, now I'm curious. So I, I googled Cherry Banana. Um, first thing that comes up is banana cherry smoothie, banana <laughs> cherry bread. Um, <laughs> Are I'm you telling really... me the sex doll shop isn't the number one search thing? You know what? I just scrolled through a whole page of just cherry and banana uh, recipes. Oh, wait. They're an Australian uh, company. Yeah, is it cherry uh, banana dot like AZ or something? What? Well, are you too scared see how to much type the... in che- Are you too scared to type in cherry banana sex doll in your Google search? Fuck it. I'm not afraid. I'm not a coward. <laughs> but I'm also uh, – uh, they have a couple like news links uh, to – remember we talked about South Korea soccer team? They filled the stands with sex dolls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. See if you guys just want if you guys want to save some money, just go to your next South Korean soccer uh, team and uh, next Korean soccer game and try to try to use your pickup skills literally and figuratively and see how fast you can run to get yourself a free sex doll. <laughs> Is that uh, kidnapping know, at that point? <laughs> I'm just trying to find the price of these damn things, and <laughs> I can't find. Oh my lord! Yeah, these are whoa. Well, how much, how much, how much, how much? Uh, I haven't gotten to the price yet. I'm just seeing, like, the profiles of all the different types. I'll just click on the first one here. Um, it's loading. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> I'm just saying, these these really hyper-realistic dolls are, like, as much as, like, a small car. Yeah, they're, like, I mean, I don't want to say they're realistic-looking because there's definitely some, uh, some, what do they call that? Uh, what's the, the... Uh, Tails? <laughs> that's custom that they don't make many of those ones those ones are hard to get your oh hands my on. lord no what do you call when there's like a giant drop because like something's almost too realistic and then like people don't like it anymore yeah um, it's, it's oh uncanny valley i, it's, I, uh, I didn't i didn't know that uh, so these it's like these dolls are actually in it says they're all in stock so they must have just gotten a new order in. Uh, oh, thank God! These these bad boys and girls will run you as far as one thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents to okay. two thousand four hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Oh, here's a three thousand dollar one. Well, the government could help you buy half of one, and you know three thousand one hundred. Wow, that's sounds, just insane. Sounds pretty neat to me. Or really cool. Or you go to your local bakery and go get yourself a bagel. Yeah. Nice toasted butter bagel. Is that too far? Is that, is that too far? <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's that. That's, that's that. That's, that's, just, that's the way that's the bagel the, crumbles. That's what we call news, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's horny news. Okay, David, what do you have? Uh, two wearing watermelons on their heads suspected of stealing from convenience store. Wait. Oh, they wore them as masks. Yep. So, I mean, that's, I, that's just that's a that's a bad plan because that's just gonna draw nothing but attention to yourself. 
Well, have you ever tried to rob a place with a watermelon on your head? It's not as easy as people make it seem. Like that you know, watermelon slides one way, and then all of a sudden you're you have no eye holes anymore. You're lost inside of a watermelon. Yeah, but it does protect you if somebody wants to take a thwap at you with a baseball bat. You get they get one hit, and then it's a one know, and done you, helmet. Yeah, no, it, yeah, exactly. It it absorbs most of the hit. You're good. You can get out of there. Hopefully, he's just not ready for another swing. You know? Yeah. So gives you enough time to recover. <laughs> but um, I also have um, another story that you might be able to utilize as the last blockbuster in the world will soon be av- available to rent on Airbnb for just $4 a night. So, you know, the last blockbuster is in Bend, Oregon, David. Yeah. Yeah. And, you can uh, rent the place for $4 a night? So what they're doing right now is on September 18th, 19th, and 20th, just those three days, they um, are taking booking requests for just $4, which is like how much I think they charge to rent a movie, as like a thank you um, for like keeping them in business during like the quarantine and everything like that. This is obviously a marketing thing that they got going. It's actually really smart. But they built a 90s-themed living room inside the Blockbuster oh. with like – a geometric uh, bedspread, like it looks like you know a pop tart box or something. Like yeah. it's just it's just all those like '90s colors of like teal and pink, and they have like the old, um, you know, like how in the '90s everybody had like their stereo with all their CDs and like like the big entertainment system and stuff. They had like that set up in a beanbag chair and like these old lamps and couches and um, yeah. Yeah, so you could go spend the night in, you know, a Blockbuster. And I think it says they allow up to four people um, okay. per, per night in there. But they, they they said they still have to, like, clean the store with all, like, the COVID, you know, uh, guidelines and everything. But it does beg the question, what if we kissed in the horror section at Blockbuster? It does. You can finally <laughs> find that answer. I have what to say. We, <laughs> what if we do, kissed do next you know- to the Hellraiser <laughs> franchise? <laughs> All 15 of them. Can, <laughs> can you name a better thing than the Pop-Tart Wild Berry to describe the 90s? No, that is the quintessential, the blue Pop-Tart with the purple swirl on the front, right? No, it's it's purple frosting with a blue, oh, with the blue swirl. Yeah, I mean, okay. you were basically there with it. Yeah, it's interchangeable. They could change it up on me. I wouldn't even Mandela affect that. I'd be like, yeah, that's how it always was. Exactly. Um, but I guess I guess they're trying to relive, you know, the sleepovers of the '90s uh, for the end of summer as like a thank you, uh, which is fucking cool. And honestly, I want to do a '90s night and watch me some, watch me some. Uh, what's it called? Um, oh, what was my favorite movie on VHS? Oh, you know what it was? My Girl with Macaulay Culkin and and Anna Schlemsky. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Oh my God! Macaulay Culkin gets attacked by bees. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you're not thinking of Wicker Man with uh, Nicolas Cage? No. <laughs> when he's just screaming about the bees? No, no, not the bees. They should remake Wicker Man with Macaulay Culkin. Just saying. No, nah. this is this is this is my girl with Macaulay Culkin, Anna Shlemsky, and and uh, Dan Aykroyd. I believe is in it too. It's a yeah. great 90s flick. I've watched it like 130 times. 
See, I, when I think of 90s VHS tape, the first thing that comes to mind is that beautiful orange cassette tape of the Rugrats Goes to Paris. That's not even 90s, is it? I don't know. I thought it was. Oh, I did I did love that. that or- if you saw an orange VHS, it was only quality. I think yeah. they're like the first ones to do that, honestly. I mean, not that many yeah. people followed in their footsteps, but – um, I just remember it was like groundbreaking to see an orange VHS. It's like, okay, I take it back. It was not Rugrats in Paris. That was what appears to be the second of the trilogy of their films. Um, it would just be get Rug- lost in the woods. No, that I, I think that's Rugrats go wild, which was a crossover with the wild thornberries. That was a 2003 <laughs> film. Um, cause everybody was asking for that. Um, but <laughs> No, it's just it's just the Rugrats movie came out in 1998, so it still is a 90s movie. Okay. But oh yeah, that orange cassette tape. You know what cassette tapes always trip me out were the ones that you use to clean your VHS tapes, like the deck. Literally, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's amazing though. Yeah, they had these. They had cassette. They had the VHS tapes that were they were clear, and you would like put a. Uh, like a soapish kind of thing in it, and then you'd you'd play it through your your Are VHS you player. Are you fucking kidding me? And it it would quote unquote clean it. I don't know if it ever fucking worked. Oh my god, that's amazing. I just remember the only real memory I have of my VHS player was when I put a Bug's Life in it. Remember the big foam, the big foam VHS cases? Yeah, like the ones that are like they were like bulky. They're almost the size. They look like a book. You know what yeah. I mean? Okay, or I like had the really hard plastic ones that clicked exactly. In. That's yeah. them. That's them. And I had one with a bug's life in it. And we went over to my my cousin's friend's house and we put it in. And the VHS player started eating the tape. And it was my oh, yeah. tape that I brought. And his and the guy's dad freaked out and started screaming that we were breaking his VHS. And he ripped it out. And all I saw was just like all this film inside the the, oh, yeah. the movie just like spewing out. And he was just like tearing it out of the machine. And I was like <laughs> just standing there like heartbroken like <laughs> – that's my bug's life. I'm like, oh, no. Your bug's tra- life doesn't have any life left. <laughs> it's traumatic. But yeah. anyway, you have one more news story for us. All these oh, news yeah. stories very tangenty. We We go off on yeah. these very big tangents with these. <clears throat> so uh, Jason Derulo thought cats would change the world. Jason Derulo has been super cringy lately. Has he go ever back- not been kind of like painfully like, come on, dude, like stop. <laughs> Stop go it. back to go back to wearing your fedora on your album covers. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's the Jason we we all know and love. But like, I mean, his music's good, or like his whatever. It's like his is voice it? is good. No, but you know what I mean. Like the much as that was like a banger back in the day. You know what I mean? It's great. But like now he's like on TikTok with Will Smith, who's clearly having a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> The dude's, like, yeah, jumping out of spiraling. helicopters. Okay, I love Will Smith just as much as the next person. But, like, I get really weirded out when, like, celebrities just start making YouTube channels and stuff like that. I'm like, what do you – you're better than – Will Smith, like, you can get a a roles right now. Like, you can do yeah. this. It's okay. And, yeah, uh, you don't need this platform. I don't know if I've already talked about this. Have I already got off on a Will Smith tyrant? I don't think tirade? so. Okay, well – I've, I've talked to many people about it because him and Jason Drulo just did a post together where Will Smith pretended to get his fucking teeth knocked out. Um, Jason Drulo like, goes to swing a golf club and, like, pretends to, like, hit Will Smith in the mouth. And then they, like, fo- they like 
CGI'd his teeth all broken. And he's like, oh, my teeth. And I'm like, do people believe – like, I don't get what this is. Like, why is this – it's not funny. I don't believe it. Like, I – Yeah, where are you going with this, bud? Out? I don't know. I just don't Go like back them. to yelling at mannequins. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> was, it, was that thing – was that mannequin's name Fred? Something like that? Frank? Frank. Yeah, I think it was Frank. Yeah. Anyway, they ruined that book. So, great movie, <laughs> different from the book. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm done with my Will Smith hate. I love yeah. it. Yeah. He's great. There has to be an end to that tunnel. <laughs> Why don't you just do like Tommy Lee Jones and just sink out, slink out silently, you know? And then show up every yeah. once in a while and you go, wow, he still looks really old. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was possible, but he looks older than he did 10 years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're caught up on it. Do you have any more news stories? Um, I had one more, um, but we, we, we can move on. Okay. Okay. It's just going to become something else anyway. So, yeah. Um anyway, uh David, do you have our ad sponsor break today? Well, you told me not to look at it, so I haven't looked at it yet, but I believe I have it. Okay. Uh yeah, our friend David the Coward has sent in um his um I he's starting a company. Oh, I think you guys heard about his company. He had a brain brain juice. Um David oh, the, yeah. David did a shout out uh, a, a while back, but David the Coward wanted to do a follow up because obviously he is he is not pushing. You know, COVID has only hurt him. It's not like sex yeah. dolls or uh, he's not Nintendo switches. Good. No, he needs help, and that's why we're gonna give him a little shout out. David, can you please read uh, the text that he sent you for his uh, for his sponsor ad break? Yeah, I just had to take a big old. S- Big old swig of whiskey before I got into this. I need to get my voice ready. <clears throat> All right. I will open this text now. Oh, boy. this all, Holy shit. This, is, this might be longer than my actual story. <laughs> all right. You ready for this? Yeah, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear what he has to sell. Hi, friends. Back again with another sponsorship message from... That's right. You guessed it, Little Chonky Boom Boom. As many of you read in the news over the last few months, our famous brain growth serum may or may not have led to 17 or 1,700 brain growing, brains growing so large they ended up filling patients' entire bodies, leading, leading to brain matter taking over every inch of the human form and creating smaller sentient people out of every single body part imaginable. (laughs) Now, is this a bad thing? Who fucking knows? But does it mean our products work? You bet your ass it does. And so today against, against the advice of our nerdy lawyers, we are here to bring you Little Chonky Boom Boom's Pet Growth Intensifier. Those at home can't hear, but we are in caps. I think I, I yeah, that was in caps. Um, <laughs> we are, we caps locked the world, the word intensify because this shit is crazy. Always jealous of your friends and neighbors having a bigger guinea pig than you. Yeah. <laughs> I was too, until I put a few drops of, of this on Mr. Cinnamon, and now he's the size of a fucking moose. Please don't ask us how it works. 
or what's in it. <laughs> I don't know how the sun works or how my wife let me. But if you don't see me complaining about it. Um, so go to littlechonkyboomboom.bigfuckinganimals and get a free sample of our pet growth intensifier today. Oh, I'm so glad we are able to help out his business and help out all those guinea pigs who are just not feeling smart enough these days. You know, you can only imagine what would happen to the earth if all the guinea pigs in the in the entire planet were moose size. It would be loud, a little squeak. It, I'd be squeaking all over. It would be very loud. Um, I would like to think that all the um, vegetables, such as carrots and celery, would be vanished from the earth. It'd be absolutely decimated by these large animals. Oh, yeah. I think they would start turning into uh, humans very quick. I feel like it wouldn't be that long if it, if an animal was much larger than us to for them just to start eating us. Like, you know, bears and mountain lions, they already like to eat us and stuff like that. And yeah. People can argue that a guinea pig is a vegetarian, an herbivore. For you know? now. But, yeah, exactly. I don't know about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're going to see some omnivore tendencies. Anyway... Um, well, little chonky boom, boom serum, check it out. They're, they're really good and they'll, they'll make your animals big and strong and not violent and going to eat you. Um, <clears throat> but let's get into these stories today. Now, David, we recently talked about plane crashes since Hemingway survived not one, but two plane crashes and even came out stark drunk and full of bananas in one of the crashes. Correct, David? Am I correct in saying yes. that? Yes. And that was also within two days. Yeah, ex- okay, exactly. But as most of us know, usually people aren't that lucky. Most of the time, you don't live to tell the details of a severe plane crash. But sometimes, if you're lucky enough, strong enough, and smart enough, then you get to live to die another day. But let's get into that, as today I will be telling you the story of Lanza Flight 508. Um, Man... Uh, oh, what was I going to say? So, I don't know what I was going to say. Let's just fucking get into the story. <laughs> it's not, I'm not that interesting to add commentary. Let's not get ourselves. So, Julian Kopke. Kopke. Julian Kopke was born in Lima, Peru in 1954 to German parents Hans and Maria, who both worked at the Museum of Natural History in Lima. As an only child, Julian... Uh, built a strong bond with her classmates and friends she made while at Duche Schule Lima Alexander von Humboldt, a German international school she attended. Why would you name a school that? Why would you do um, that? Because you just didn't have any other options. I, I think don't know. it's I think it's named after a guy. Maybe. Um, I mean, most schools are. But it, it always it always I'm always very interested in. Um, international schools for like specific languages. You're really interested in that. (laughs) Well, when I hear about them, I go, huh, I wonder what that would be like on a daily. It's very weird because there's like, um, like in the Middle East, they'll have like a school for just like American transplant children. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So so it's like, I'm like, I wonder what that culture is like, whether, whether, you know, there's a lot of bleed through of like, the Middle Eastern culture into the school, or if the school is like very Americanized or like if a lot of the people like go to the school also speak, you know, different languages. And like, I'm just very interested in like, also do they even have enough students to fill the school? You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So I always I always have uh, a lot of questions. But um, when Julian was 14, though, her parents decided to move from coastal Lima to the middle of the Amazon rainforest to, estab- to establish a research station called Panguana. See, here's another thing. The parents that do this, I'm not I'm not hating on them. You know, you got to have your livelihood and like your passions and stuff. But it is probably really hard on the child to like not only move from like Germany to Lima, but then they're like, yeah, we see that you're like adjusting to living in Lima. Okay, we're going to move you to the middle of the Amazon rainforest where there's no children and like, you know, nobody that probably speaks German either besides us. So I just think that's kind of like, mm, I don't know about that. It's kind of, yeah, kind of mean. But um, but I guess if Julian likes it, then she likes it. So Julian was now more isolated than ever, stuck in the largest rainforest in the world with only her parents and some other col- some of their other colleagues. But that didn't mean she couldn't thrive. You see, Julian quickly became a uh, began to learn survival skills and techniques from the people around her, and found that the Amazon rainforest had a much harsher reputation from what she perceived it as, which was peaceful and not as dangerous as most thought. Um, unfortunately, uh, but also fortunately. Um, educational authorities disapproved of Julian not attending school and forced her to return to uh, finish her schooling with the rest of her classmates, uh, which she did. So they found out that, you know, the parents moved her to the middle of the rainforest and she wasn't getting like schooling. She was probably getting schooling from her parents, but it wasn't like basic schooling. It was probably like, oh, here's a here's a coastal rain frog that, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I need to know, yeah. I need to know math too, you know. Yeah, it's all right, but not everybody's as good as math as I am. <laughs> she needed to be a woman of science, but also a woman of math and English yeah. and history. You know, we're yeah. well rounded. Yeah, we emphasize in men of science, but you know, we emphasize in men of science. Do we just know? We can't stop there. Nothing can men? stop us. Anyway, so Julian was um, – so she went back to school with the rest of her classmates, which she probably was like, oh, thank fucking God. At least I could have like a little bit more of a normal life and social skills and stuff. But Julian was finished and now ready to go back into the rainforest to help her – oh, sorry. After a couple of years of schooling, Julian was finished and ready to go back into the rainforest to help her parents with the research station. But that meant leaving behind all of her friends and classmates, which is probably pretty hard for you know a 17-year-old. And at the time, Julian's mother, Maria, was in Lima as well doing some work, but was looking to get back to uh, Panguana ASAP, uh, asking Julian to skip her graduation and fly back early because her dad was back in Panguana and, uh, you know, doing research. And the mother was like, OK, well, we need to get back to the rainforest. You're done with school. You have a couple days uh, until graduation, but let's just leave early. But Julian didn't want to leave her friends like that, so she begged her mom to let her stay three more days and attend her graduation, and Maria gave in, changing their flight to leave on Christmas Eve instead. So after the graduation, um, well, since it was a holiday and there were few planes flying out of Lima, Maria had to switch her airline as well to Linnaeus Arius Nacionalis SA, which is Lanza, um, which was, I guess, the airline. Uh, And when Hans, who was in Panguana, heard about this, he became alarmed. He urged his wife to avoid flying with uh, with Lanza because of their poor reputation. 
but Maria and Julian was uh, were already set and booked and were not about to change their flight once again because it was Christmas Eve as well, and they're probably not that many flights. You know, it's like, yeah. no, we'll, we'll just do it. You know, it's fine. It's not a big deal. But it's crazy to think that, like, there was – or there probably still are, like, airline companies out there that, like, don't fly with them. They have, like, a, a dangerous reputation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which you don't see that at often anymore because, thank God, they we have standards and everything. And we get checks, like, constantly. <laughs> but this is yeah, also – Yeah, you can like, leave reviews. <clears throat> this is also Lima in 1970. So it's like, I don't know what – the 70s were very crazy. Very yeah. crazy time. Pilots on Coke. Oh, yeah. Um, seats made of marshmallows. They didn't have standards. So it was Christmas Eve, 1971, and the plane was already seven hours late. Good start. Making all the passengers eager and anxious to get to their destination. As the plane took off into the night sky, dark clouds began to form all around the plane. Maria began to get anxious at the weather conditions, but Julian remained calm due to her great affinity of flying. But then, after 10 minutes, all hell broke loose. The plane began to experience very heavy turbulence, and the plane was jumping up and down as parcels and luggage fell from the locker, uh, the lockers as gifts, flowers, and Christmas cakes flew around the cabin. Because this was Christmas Eve, so everybody's just like fucking packing, you know... Christmas cakes. What do, what do they? Yeah, what do they have? Yeah, I don't know. What's a Christmas cake? Uh, is it one of those uh, fruit cakes that no one wants? Yeah, man. If that fucking hits you in the head, you might. You're dead. You're Wait, dead. Those things are dense. Didn't Billy Mays die when like they said a suitcase fell out of like an overhead storage compartment, hit him on the head, and then he went to his hotel, fell asleep, and then like died that next morning or something? That's what the original report was, but then I think I th- I thought I read co- later that it, he overdosed. Yeah, I heard coke. that too. Was that like, were they trying to like cover up that he was like snorting oxyclean? Probably. That was probably it. Maybe a fruitcake hit him in the head though, because like I said, that's possible. Dense nuts, fruits, you name it. Cement screws, screws, make- <laughs> screws, bolts, nuts and bolts, the bolts yeah, they used everything. to build the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Exact all of it, all of it. Um, but yeah, so at this point, flowers, Christmas cakes, and and uh, and gifts were flying around the cabin, which on any other day seems like a very nice travel situation. But when, oh, you're, yeah. when you're two miles up in the sky, it's probably not as fun. So no. light lightning began to strike uh, outside of the plane as the passengers began to scream and cry. But Maria and Julian just grabbed onto each other, silent with fear. Um, which is another beef I have to pick. I got in an <laughs> I got I got in an argument with my girlfriend because I claimed that I don't like when people keep screaming during like bad situations because I can't think. Because we watched, yeah. okay, there was, this sound, This makes me sound so fucking insensitive, and I don't mean for this to be like this. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I don't care. But there was that big explosion um, in Beirut, I think. I don't know. Where was that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, it was Beirut. And there was a video of, like, somebody getting married, and then, like, the windows blew out, and then there was just, like, 
certain people like some people are quiet and like trying to figure out what's going on and like getting outside and then some people are just constantly screaming and i was like i hate when that happens because i can never think and i can't you can't communicate and i just like don't like when people <laughs> keep screaming and did you, you consider glass was blown into their <laughs> fucking eyeballs exactly i don't know how long i would scream if glass got thrown well, into my eyeballs at 500 miles per hour well you know what no no this was like i think it was further away obviously this is like nobody was injured in the church i think people were just very scared and she's like they're super scared i go i know i'm just being an asshole but yeah but you know this plane would have been my nightmare everyone's screaming i'm like oh can i just go oh yeah can i just go down in peace jeez <laughs> put on some chuck mangione and let me go down anyway so I'm an asshole. So after about another 10 minutes, um, another large flash of lightning came down as Julian saw a very bright light on the outer engine, uh, a very bright light on the outer engine on the left. In that moment, Maria, Julian's mother, looked over to Julian and said her final words to her daughter. This is the end. It's all over. Which is, that's so German. Just like, I'm just not gonna- a. I'm going to be frank with you. Not a fun thing to hear from your mother. (laughs) I know. Like, literally, that's the last thing I want to hear. At least she's, like, being honest. You know, like, not like we're going to be okay. (laughs) But, like, I don't want to hear that. Like, that's so scary. But very German, you know. They're they're very serious people, and they're going to straight shoot you. So the pitch black plane jumped down and went into a nosedive as the cabin filled with screams and the roaring of the remaining engine. Oh, my nightmare. Actually, everyone's nightmare. (laughs) The noises filled Julian's head to the point of agony, but in an instant, the loud sound vanished. When Julian opened her eyes again, she was in free fall. Strapped to the airplane seat, she flipped head over heels, and the only sound being the wind whipping past her ears, which is fucking terrifying. And... Yeah, that sounds shitty. I know this because obviously, I mean, she's gotta, she's gotta survive this landing, right? But yeah, um, yeah. So she did like an interview where she described the entire, you know, um, yeah, you know. I almost said procedure. Is this a procedure? <laughs> Ordeal. This, yeah, there we go. Is this doctor prescribed? <laughs> so, so the last thing Julian could remember before losing consciousness was the green canopy of rainforest racing toward her, faster and faster. When Julian opened her eyes for the second time, she was looking at the underside of the very same green canopy of trees, and she was alive. Apparently, the plane had ripped into about two, uh, ripped into pieces about two miles above the ground, and many speculate that due to her positioning in the plane, her being strapped to her seat, the lush tree line breaking her fall, and the thunderstorm updraft winds that she was able to become the only survivor of the 91 occupants on board, which is fucking crazy. So they don't really yeah. know exactly. They're like, oh, she must have had to land on her seat, obviously. Um, yeah. She must have had to like, hit some trees to break her fall, and then like maybe the wind helped and where she was in the plane and everything like that. But the world record for the longest – um, plane fall or falling out of a plane without a parachute and surviving is uh, six miles up in the air, which Shit. is triple the amount that this was, which is not a, 
even really a difference because everything falls at 9.6 meters per second or whatever. Is it 9.6? Obviously. I mean, we know. Yeah, we know. 9.8? 9.8? Fuck. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Science. Um, I don't yeah. remember which one, but you you fall in quick, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, she survived. You know, I'm always very surprised at those people. Some people just, like, fall in hay bale. I mean, haystacks. Some people just, like, hit the ground ass first, and they're like, ooh, I got a sore butt now. And I'm just like, how? What the bum f- bum you should have exploded. Um, yeah. So the first thing Julian uh, began to do was to scream for her mother, but there was no response. As Julian got up to begin her search, she quickly realized that she had large gashes to her left leg and right arm, a ruptured ligament in her knee, her right eye was swollen shut, and her collarbone was broken. She had also lost a shoe in the fall, as well as her glasses. uh, Julian was uh, a badly injured 17-year-old in the middle of the rainforest with no mom and was wearing a very short sleeveless dress with one white sandal on, but she got up and began to think like a survivalist, um, which is another fucking horrible thing to think that you have to trudge through the rainforest with sandals. Actually, I take that yeah. back. That might be ideal because if you get wet shoes, that sucks. But like at least sandals, you could kind of like air it out a little bit, right? Yeah, that's a hard that's a hard debate to have, you know. <laughs> What are you bringing to the rainforest? You bringing your Crocs or are you bringing your your Adidas new track shoes? I'm bringing yeah. the Crocs every time, baby. Um, Crocs, baby. <laughs> so they float. Exactly, and you know nothing scares. To walk a, on water. Nothing scares a crocodile off like a nice pair of Crocs. So true. first, she needed to find her other shoe. But after searching for a little bit, she realized it was most likely you know it wasn't going to turn up. She fell two miles out of the sky. Who knows when her shoe fell off? So she kept her one sandal on her foot and used her sandal foot to test the ground in front of her since she was now without glasses and she was very short-sighted. So she couldn't even see. So she was, like, doing the shit you do when, like, you're walking in the dark and you, you know there's something on the ground. She's, like, feeling around, yeah. basically. and It's it's the thing you do when you lose your glasses and you're in a uh, and the, an orange turtleneck <laughs> with a big dog and you're looking for ghosts. Oh, Velma. If only you fell from a plane first. Anyway, she fell from <laughs> she, she fell from heaven. Did it hurt? Yeah, Velma? she did. Did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Did it hurt. So she tested, uh, you know, her sandal foot with her sandal foot. She tested for holes, roots, fallen trees, and most importantly, camouflage snakes, which luckily she found none of, which is like kind of miraculous to think like, like how much worse can the situation get? Like you're feeling around and then like, you know, a, a poisonous, a venomous snake bites your foot, and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's not fun. So she knew in order to survive, she needed food and water, but all she was able to find from the crash was a bag of candy, which provided very little nutritional value. She's lucky she didn't find that Christmas cake. Oh, yeah. Because that, that would have been the worst. That would have had no nutritional value at all, and it probably would have killed her upon consumption. <laughs> Let's not get it. There's some, actually they say one other guy survived the plane crash and he was un, unharmed completely. But when they found him, he yeah. had a Christmas cake lodged in his fucking head. <laughs> he had a he, he had swallowed a switchblade, a small switchblade from the cake. <laughs> oh no! I was saying that thing fell out of the sky and just it it just oh yeah oh my god right in his head took his head clean off <laughs> right in his head. It was like that scene in the Patriot when the guy gets hit with a cannonball. Oh my god! Yeah. 
<laughs> they found his body sprawled out with the cake where his head was. He was uh, he was three feet shorter. It hit him right on the top of the head and <laughs> made, it smushed him like an accordion. So, like the good old accordion. He had, he had piano teeth and he walked around. He's like, <laughs> you know, like those old cartoons when the piano falls on you. Oh man, of course, piano teeth. So while searching for food, she could hear the search. Also, what candy? For some reason, I keep picturing her finding a bag of taffy. You know? Okay. I you said it's the seventies. Yeah. I don't know what candies were around the seventies. I, I feel like she found some Skittles, but I don't know if <laughs> Skittles were around in the seventies. Well, it is the rainforest. Yeah, taste the rainbow. There we go. Anyway, they should really Skittles should really reach out to Julian to do a commercial. Yeah. She's like, I survived a plane crash. Now I love Skittles. <laughs> so, yep. so while searching for food, she could hear the search and rescue planes flying overhead looking for the wreck. But she knew that they were not going to spot her in the dense jungle. So she needed to find help another way, which is another like really helpless feeling to be like, I, I can't be spotted here. It's fuck, it sucks. So using her knowledge of her jungle child days as they she became a jungle child, I guess, you know, when she was living Wild in the Wild Thornberries, yeah. Exactly. You get it. She was flea. <laughs> so um, so using her knowledge from the jungle child day, she walked into the, into the small creek and began to follow it downstream, knowing that it was safer to walk in the water and not being able to see and all. Um, you know, so you wouldn't be stepping on snakes and stuff. Then if she fell, you're falling in water. <laughs> Just crocodiles, yeah. <laughs> well, it was a creek. It wasn't a. It wasn't a full on river. But actually, it probably it became a river. But yeah, you need to watch out for those too. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, it's the Amazon. You're fucked regardless. So, um, but also that water usually leads to civilization. Which if you guys yeah. are ever lost. You know, in a jungle or a forest, start following the river because eventually the river is going to lead to, you know, a waterway or the ocean or, yeah, exactly. Who knows? A lake where there's hopefully some civilization. Um, It was very hot and very wet, and it rained several times a day in the rainforest, obviously. I mean, I don't know. Take it the name. I don't know the stats there, but. but at night, it was cold and lonely, and the mini dress that she was wearing provided no shelter for her body, so just absolutely miserable. Um, after she finished her small bag of candy, uh, Julian knew that her days were numbered and that she needed to act fast if she didn't want to starve to death. And on the, on the fourth day, Julian heard what sounded like a king vulture, because I guess her parents were like very, you know, they're zoologists and whatnot. Um, big bird head so she knew what a king vulture was and she knew what it sounded like um and she knew that when she heard it that there are more likely most likely more bodies uh must be nearby and as she turned the corner she found an airplane bench with three passengers rammed headfirst into the earth oh fuck at least i mean at least it was quick hopefully and you you're dying with uh i hope they were all friends yeah. They're like, oh, if they weren't, I'm sure they were before they hit the ground. <laughs> Reaching out your hand. Hey, I'm dumb Steve. Ah! <laughs> so, Where'd you go to college? <laughs> well, you can eat those Skittles. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so this is the first time she had ever seen a dead body, let alone three, let alone head first into the ground with a, with a seat attached to you. You know, that's probably a crazy yeah. sight to see. Um, and she was paralyzed with fear, you know, um, as she approached the bodies to make sure it wasn't her mother because she was still kind of searching for her mother. Um, and after p- 
poking the bodies with the stick. I guess she like turned the bodies over with the stick, which she like felt really bad about. She was like, I'm like desecrating these bodies, but she needed to see if it was her mom. Um, she saw that the woman's toenails were painted unlike her mother's. So she sighed with relief and continued on. Um, and on the 10th day, so six days later on the 10th day, Julian waited, uh, on the edge of the large river. So now she's in a river. She made it from the Creek to the river and she waited on the edge of a large river as she could barely stand at this point. She, she was about to give up when all of a sudden she saw a huge boat. I think it was like a huge canoe, you know, something like that. Um, okay. and thinking it was a, a hallucination, she brushed it off. But then when she was, um, that was until she was able to touch it and prove that it was real, giving her a shot of adrenaline. So apparently once she, you know, felt the boat and saw that it was real, she was able to like have this, you know, surge of adrenaline through her body, you know, like a survival, you know, surge, which Yeah, a little glimmer of hope. But is which is also dangerous though, because, you know, when the adrenaline wears off, I think that you're more tired than, you know, you were initially. So Yeah. You really have to make use of that time. So even in her time of desperation, Julian decided she didn't want to steal the boat if someone else was <laughs> using it. So she found this boat, and then she I, – I, that's what oh I thought, too. I was like, like, come on. I was like, why are you so ethical Fuck right that. now? But imagine, like, you going, like, deep into the rainforest on your boat, and then you come back, and your boat's gone, and you're like, I'm fucked. Like, that, yeah, that, was, a, that was a 10-day hike, and I'm going to starve out here. So I think she was like – Okay, I need to like figure out what's going on before I just take this boat. And plus, she doesn't know where the boat's gonna lead, or you know if there's gonna be like a waterfall or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, she, just, she just opened up that ra- that Skittles wrapper and just wrote I O U and left it. <laughs> left it there. And she left him a green. What's the least? I don't think there's a least liked flavored Skittle. I think they're all good. Yeah, I think they all taste the same. They kind of do. You just shove them all in your mouth yeah. and just create a big gob. If you eat one Skittle at a time for the individual flavors, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Is that too aggressive? No, I think that's right on. That's that's perfectly fine to say. But, like, see, I then we get into the whole Starburst debate, which, like, a lot of people don't agree with me on. But, like, my order is, like, orange, red, uh, yellow, pink. But then, like, everybody's like, pink's the best flavor, and I disagree completely, so... What are you? Well, I, I am not gonna. I'm not gonna argue if pink is the best flavor, but I will tell you that orange is hands down the worst fucking. Starbus. I knew you were gonna Starburst. say that. No, which is great for me because everybody always leaves them, and I'm like, oh, jackpot! I love the orange. See, I I, I throw them in the furnace because I don't think anybody should be eating those. <laughs> I throw them in the cockpit of a plane just in case somebody has to make that decision to starve to death or eat the orange starburst. <laughs> oh my god! Um, what's your number one though? What's your starburst? I think. Order? I think. I think I think it goes red, pink, yellow, orange. yellow, orange. Okay, yellow kind of always seems like it either. Yellow's good. It's just not as good as like red or pink, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm. I think red is like the average top tier one, in my opinion. I think people. Oh, I th- I think pink. I think pink is everybody's favorite. Are you serious? I hate pink. Damn. I think that's everybody's favorite. I don't know what's going on in this world anymore. 
So let's get back into it. Um, so she didn't want to steal the boat because if someone else was using it, she didn't want to fuck them over. So uh, she didn't want to save herself. Oh, she didn't want to save herself and doom another. So she left the boat untouched. But that's when she noticed something. Next to the boat, she saw a small path into the jungle. And after following it, she found a hut with a palm leaf roof, an outboard motor, and a liter of gasoline. So somebody was just like, that was probably their, you know, they have to go deep into the jungle. That's like their little spot for the night or something. So at this, so she went in there and at this point, the wound on her upper arm, oh, here we go, was infested with (laughs) maggot. Yeah. About one centimeter long. That's food. It is food. The maggots, the maggots are one centimeter long. Yeah. Yeah, that's food. Yeah, exactly. Um, but luckily, she remembered her dog had had the same infection in the past, and her father had. I don't know if how she knew that the dog had the same infection. They're infection buddies. I don't know. Anyway, um, her father uh, apparently had put kerosene in the dog's wound, so uh, that's just like German shit right there. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so she sucked the gasoline out of the can and put it into the wound. Uh, the pain was intense as the maggots tried to get further into the wound, but she pulled out about 30 maggots cleaning the wound entirely, um, which is the most disgusting thing I could picture. It's it's uh, it's a good little snack, though. <laughs> now she got a bowl of maggots. So she was uh, what's your favorite maggot flavor? <laughs> so uh, she was <laughs> definitely definitely orange on that. one. That's different. <laughs> the orange ones are the they're filled with the most poop. So not only do you get the maggot, but you get what they ate too. It's fun. Yeah. So she was tired at this point from the pain and decided to spend the night there. The next day as she woke, she heard the voices of several men outside. When she emerged, she saw a group of fishermen chatting. But when they saw her emerge, though, they all fell silent. You see, the men thought she was a kind of water goddess, a figure from local <laughs> legend who is a hybrid of a water dolphin and a blonde, white-skinned woman. So yeah, I don't. I mean, that's what I, that's a, that's the conclusion I would jump the to. Guy's for like, sure. The guy's like, look at her, look at her. I think she might be that water goddess. And the guy's like, I don't know. I don't see many dolphin features. She's like, no, no, look. She got a big hole in her head. Hole she got a big arm. hole. She got a big hole in her head from that fruitcake falling down. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, um, but after she, luckily, she knew some Spanish, and after she, I, I was afraid that they're just gonna tie her up and try to sell her for dolphin meat, you know. But after yeah. she introduced herself in Spanish and explained that what had happened, they quickly treated her wounds, fed her, and brought her to civilization. A day after the rescue, she reunited with her father at the hospital, but there was still no sign of her mother. So after recovering from her injuries, she led a search party back to the crash site, and for the next few days, she frantically searched for her mother, and 19 days later, they found the body of Maria. And this is the saddest part. Apparently, she had initially survived the crash, but was so badly injured she couldn't move. So she ended up passing away just a few days later. And oh, that that's like the fucking worst. I know. The, the daughter said, "Like I can't even imagine what like those few days were like for her. It's like it's yeah. so sad. It's like it's hard. You don't want to think about. Yeah, that. it's heartbreaking. It's like you know." 
but I thought they were going to be like, she was like a bush over and like the, she didn't see her or something. You know what I mean? I thought it was gonna be something yeah. bad like that, but I, I assume that she was probably pretty far away, but, um, yeah. but it was also found out later that 14 others survived the initial crash, but died days later from their injuries. So she wasn't the only one they thought initially everybody died, but I guess like 14 others, including her mother also survived, but um, which is kind of impressive to be completely honest. Like, I don't know what, like, yeah. um, how they test for, you know, time of death and everything when it's, you know, 19 days later. Cause a lot of people go like, Oh, yeah. he died like within a couple hours or it's been a day. But like when people see like a body that's been sitting in the rainforest with possibly like animals and weather conditions and stuff that have like, yeah, it's got to change the decay. The decomposing and stuff like that. Exactly. And then they could like kind of pinpoint the day they probably died. Like they didn't die instantly. They died from, you know, this. And I'm like, that's, it's impressive that people can do that and figure that out. It's, it's, yeah. you know, even if it is morbid. But, um, so Julian, uh, in the end went on to study biology and get a doctorate, which she used to go back to Peru and study mammalogy, 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 specializing in bats. She now serves oh. as a librarian at the Bavarian State Collection of Zoology in Munich and even wrote an autobiography called When I Fell from the Sky. And uh, there's also like one little uh, nugget of cool facts here because 25 years later, uh, director Werner Herzog, you know who Werner Herzog is? I do not. Oh, really? Fuck, I was going to do my Werner Herzog impression. He... <clears throat> He's done a bunch of documentaries, like pretty famous ones. He's probably one of the most famous like documentarians. Uh, but okay, well then g- give me your imp- impersonation. Maybe that will uh, oh, okay. set off some bells like in this. the head. Uh, not, I don't know how good this is going to be, but it's like, <laughs> Hello, David. My name is Werner Herzog. You ever like... Oh, yeah, that's ringing a lot of bells. Hello, the bells David. are going off. I am Werner... I... <laughs> <laughs> Katie gets mad at me because she says every time you do an impression, all you do is say that I'm the person. I go, I, I told her, I was like, you don't know who Sean Connery is? And she's like, no. And I was like, you know, like, I'm sh- hey, I'm Sean Connery. And she's like, you just fucking said his name. Like, why is why is that ringing any bells? I'm like, you know, like, me, it's me, Sean Connery. And she's like, no, this is, mm-mm. It, it is me, Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> but have you seen Jack Reacher? Uh, no. Fuck. Have you seen... Um, the show, yeah, he or the no, shitty Tom Cruise movies. The, oh, that's no Jack Ryan is the show. I think Jack Reacher yeah. is the one with Tom Cruise, and that those movies are good. But he's the villain at the end, actually. And have you seen um, Parks and Rec? Yeah, of course. He's in the last season. You know when um, April and Andy go and buy like the haunted house? No. Oh, they go and buy this like fucking haunted house, and he's the landlord. He's like, he's like. This used to be an old dollhead factory, but he's like super fucking German and he's so creepy and weird, but apparently just a great German man, (laughs) but but apparently 25 years later, director Werner Herzog revisited the story in his film wings of hope, uh, which came out in 1998. And in 1971, while location scouting for um, Aguirre, the wrath of God, ironically, Herzog would have been on the same flight as Julian, but at the last minute, he changed his itinerary. So, oh, shit. yeah, so Julian accompanied him uh, on a visit to the crash site 
Um, uh, and she described the journey as a kind of therapy. So they went back and there's still like plane parts in the middle of the forest that they went and like saw did, and stuff. So my question is, is did Julian ever get a new pair of glasses? You know what? When she hit the ground, uh, her vision was completely fixed and she just didn't, oh, wow. she didn't even know it yet. She no no wow. actually she she, was, she didn't know what real world looked no, like. She was nearsighted, and when she hit the ground, she became farsighted. So she needed to uh, uh, get a prescription. You know, it was, man. I, God, I maybe love that plane crash was prescribed. Yeah, <laughs> it was a procedure to fix her eyes <laughs> or to make her farsighted. I don't know. Anyway, but that's the story of the Lance of Flight. I think five hundred eight, something like that. Yeah, Lance of Flight five hundred eight. But yeah, it's so crazy. Seventeen year old, you know. It's kind of interesting how, you know, her parents' choices to, you know, for their career actually ended up – I mean, I mean it, it harmed, but it helped in the end. So yeah. it was, you know, it was – it's bittersweet, and she lost her mom, so – but very interesting. And Werner got a good documentary out of it. That's all that matters I, for him. I, he got the big bucks from them paying. I like to make money off telling stories on the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I do a good Werner. <laughs> yeah, your your Werner is on point, Dude, man. Dude, Google him. He sounds exactly like that. I mean, I don't do him justice. He sounds so much better, but he's like, Hello, I am Werner Herzog. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> okay. When you when you said that last one, our connection tripped out a little bit, and so when you said his last name, it like glitched out <laughs> and like stuttered a bunch of times like a robot. It was... <laughs> Honestly, way better than your normal impression. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounded That's like. That's cool. Anyway. All righty. So last week I talked about one specific location named the Hauska Castle, which was believed to be a gateway to hell, spewing black-winged monsters with claws who are crawling out of the pit that the castle's built around at night, eating them town folk up like skittles oh i think i and, think Werner uh, was born in that castle it's possible i crawled out of a fucking hole <laughs> i'm here to make documentaries <laughs> i am the demon of documentaries <laughs> the demon of docs anyways sorry. demon doc sorry dr demon doc <laughs> uh, so uh, after doing that research, we talked a little bit about like, oh, wait, maybe there's more of them. So uh, that led me to look up more so-called gates to hell. So this is, um, in fact, the list of uh, some of the world's known gates to hell. Are you just going to are you just going to read me off of list of where every Arby's is? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> OK, continue. <laughs> So now, obviously, uh, before we get too deep into it, it should be mentioned that saying something is a gate to hell could be misleading in a way. Uh, hell would be referring to the punish punishing afterlife to the uh, Christian concept of you know the religion of hell with demons and you know. Is there another devil? Is there another definition of hell? Well, I mean, no. What I'm trying to say though is that um, I'm going to be talking about many other cultures and religions. Um, so while hell might not be the most accurate word, bear with me and understand. At the end, these are gateways to the painful and punishing afterlife intended for those who are damned to be punished of like different religions. And we're just the messengers. So it's not just you like, know people did their research. Yeah. They definitely know that all these places are gateways to hell. 
Yeah. <laughs> and we're just the whatever messengers. whatever their hell may be. Whatever their hell may be, mm-hmm. like yeah. Exactly. So I'm not just saying like these are all Christian things. Oh, I see. Um, I see, I see. So and I will also lead this by saying um, a lot of this are in foreign countries, which have names that I will not be able to pronounce. So <laughs> see, and you know that's like that's many. That's times. the beauty of hell, really, that everybody gets to enjoy it. <laughs> all re- yeah. all religions, all cultures, we all share hell together, and it's not it's too late. You too can enjoy hell. <laughs> I hope I hope you too goes to hell. <laughs> I hate you too. Don't put that fucking album on my phone. Don't put that album on my fucking phone. <laughs> Oh man! So, oh, you said YouTube. I thought you're saying YouTube, like the website no. for videos. Bono and his gang of misfits. Yeah, fuck Bono. <laughs> and the edge. I'll show you bloody. Don't forget about I'll show you edge. bloody Sunday guy. Is that one of their songs? I thought that was like a yeah, My Chemical Romance. No, song. it's the one that goes bloody bloody Sunday. You've heard it. It sounds awful. Oh, wait. It goes like this. Well, Werner Herzog was featured, and I was like, bloody, bloody, oh. Sunday, I made a documentary on it. Actually, that is about a, like <laughs> a massacre, so he probably did make a documentary oh. on it. Anyway. Probably. <laughs> so, yeah, number one here, we got the uh, Plautian at the at uh, Heropolis um, in the ancient city of Heropolis, which is close to uh, Pumukel. In Turkey. I'm so glad you said um, Turkey because I still didn't know where it was. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where Turkey is. Uh, that, it was it's once, in the middle of the table yeah. of Thanksgiving. Mm. Who gets to snap the wishbone this year? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the city was once home uh, to a site that was believed to be a sacred place to Pluto, the god of the dead. And legends of this place lived for, you know, an unknowingly long time. It's hard to date back exactly when people started, like, saying, like, oh, this was Pluto's sacred place. Um, But in 1965, this place was discovered by modern archaeologists, and they announced that this location had an otherworldly significance. So the same gases that heat the famous hot springs of, uh, of Pamu Kale... Uh, which apparently in Turkey there's famous hot springs in this place, oh. uh, originate from below the ground in a cave that lays beneath the city of uh, Plauchon. Mm. Um, and because these, ga- because these gases are toxic, the people believed that they had been sent from Pluto, the god of the dead himself. Whoa. And uh, the site was treated as a ritual entrance to the underworld. Is this the place that has like the? It's like on fire or something, or is it just like toxic gases leaking out through the the earth? Um, I believe it was just like normal tunnels that have toxic gases in them. Oh, really? That's why they send canaries, you know. Oh shit. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of caves and mines have like toxic gases. That's why old miners would bring uh, canaries with them and send the birds yeah. in, and they'd fly back out. And if they never came back, it'd be like, oh shit, we shouldn't go Don't in there. Go in there bird there's bird poison in there <laughs> T- yeah. tim you're next <laughs> see if it works on humans so, too. <laughs> people would travel from all over the world um to make sacrifices to pluto the god they believed in and uh as animals were led into the cave to drop dead from the toxic fumes while the acolytes of pluto would prove their devotion to the god by entering the cave and emerging alive, which some people today credit 
that they uh, the, these acolytes knew where there were like safe oxygen bubbles in the cave, oh. so they'd like walk in and like go to a little area, take a breath, and like walk back out and see, like, be like, "See, I'm one of the acolytes of Pluto." Oh damn! I would. I'm not that brave enough or care enough about my ego for that one. Like, I'm not gonna be like, "Look yeah. at me! I survived the oven. Let me crawl back in." Like, no, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the next one we got here is the uh, Messiah. The Masaya uh, volcano. The Aboriginal people of Masaya, Masaya in um, in the uh, the you know which is now modern day Nicaragua Nicaragua. Okay. Uh, did not believe that the mouth of their caldera, the volcano, was a gateway to the afterlife, but there was a local tradition. Uh, that the nearby volcano was a god and that a powerful sorceress lived deep inside the volcano's fiery pit. Oh shit. That's shitty real so they, estate. Yeah. You don't want to live there. So so they believed that it did it was like a magical place where like it was like the volcano was a god. Um but it was the Spanish explorers who rolled up in their like rolled up, you know, the twenty sixth century who had very little knowledge of volcanoes in general. Like oh yeah, because they probably I, didn't. I mean, are there? I don't know if Spain has it. I don't know either, honestly. Yeah, I I believe so, that I believe uh, that if they were they had very little knowledge, there probably wasn't. Maybe maybe yeah. Italy, you know, Pompeii, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, being men of God, they saw evil in the mountain of flames and lava, and they saw it fit to exercise what they deemed the mouth of hell. Like, could you imagine, though, just, like, seeing a volcano in, like, your, like, 30s, 40s with zero prior knowledge of what a volcano would be? That'd be fucking terrifying. That'd freak you the fuck if out. If there was, like, yeah. a pit with just, like, you don't even know what, I mean, I don't know if, if they didn't know what magma or was or lava. Magma's just below the surface. Lava's above the surface. But, men of science. Um, But, yeah. <laughs> but like, imagine, like, looking down and being like, whoa, what is that? And then it's just like, oh, that's just, like stuff that's you know immensely hot and kills you in two seconds and you can't get it off your skin if it touches you and also it shoots out of this hole at very high speeds and kills anybody who's near it and you're like oh this is yeah but i mean you can also you can get close to like lava and like catch on fire like you don't have to touch it really is that hot close enough and you can get yeah certain parts wow wow but so yeah in uh 1529 the fray uh francisco de Bobadilla, great name, Bobadilla, <laughs> uh, carried a massive cross up the side of the volcano, hoping to exercise or, uh, yeah, exercise what he believed to be the mouth of hell. Jeez, talk about but exercise. He wasn't... Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like awful. That's... <laughs> to carry yeah. this fucking. And it's hot as fuck. Yeah, carry this motherfucking heavy ass. We, de- we deconstructed the railroad here. There's, here's two giant pillars. Carry these up here. Yeah, so he wasn't alone. Um, f- the Frere Torbio Benevente wrote in 1514 that the volcano's persistent activity must have been a supernatural cause and that it must be the place from which the condemned are thrown by, by the demons. Oh, okay. Wait, they, they throw the condemned into the volcano or out of the volcano? Yeah. 
I think it was like demons would take people that were going to hell and throw them into into it to go to oh, hell. Oh, interesting. I mean, that would make sense, you know? Yeah. Like, I completely understand where they're coming that's from. That's that friar. Um, uh, that's that friar knowledge right there. They know. Yeah. But not all Spanish friars felt the same way. Uh, when Friar Blas de Castillo led the first Spanish expedition inside the volcano's crater in 1538 to search for gold and silver. What? He went down and, there to get uh, gold and silver? Yeah, he thought that would be a good spot. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, another friar, uh, Juan de Torquemenda, uh, published a a uh, analysis of the volcano and other volcanoes in 1615, asserting that it was ridiculous to view any volcano as an entrance to hell, being that like your spirit life form isn't a physical thing to go to like hell and the volcano could only harm like physical bodies. He makes a good point. Yeah. It's very interesting to see like the progress, the progressive thinkers of like the 1500s who are just like, because if you, if you're a progressive thinker, then especially when it comes to religion, it's so easy to just get like murdered so oh, he's yeah. like, oh, you, that's where you throw. Oh, you're all a witch. The, yeah, exactly. All the sinners and be like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna throw you into the volcano now. You you don't believe in this, and you're like, oh fuck, I should have just kept my mouth shut. Yeah. So uh, the next one takes us to Rome for the Lacus Curtius. Uh, today, after all the years, this pit in the Roman Forum doesn't look like too much, but in a legend told by Roman historian Livy, or maybe Livy. L-I-V-I, or L-I-V-Y. Is he a new rapper? Um, yeah, he's the new Little Livy. <laughs> I just want a uh, Livy. So, according to Livy, uh, it was once a really wide chasm in, like, the middle of Rome. It's a chasm, and right? Chasm? It's spelled C-H-O. Yeah. Chasm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is chasm. I'm just stupid. <laughs> um, so... Livy tells the story of Marcus Curtius, who may have given the pit its name. Um, the chasm appeared in the middle of Rome, and nothing could fill it. They tried to like throw stuff in it to like fill it up. <laughs> like they tried to like put you know rocks and shit to fill it up, but it just like did not get more people. <laughs> get get more people. Yeah, so... Throw them in the hole. <laughs> so yeah, they believe since it was like bottomless, they're like, oh, this has to be going to hell. Uh, so an oracle prophesied that the chasm would not close and the Roman Republic would be destroyed and eaten, eaten whole by the, the chasm unless the city sacrificed uh, that which made it strong. Oh, what's that? So, so Marcus realized that Rome's strength was in their weapons and bravery of its people. And so fully armed and suited head to toe in fine armor – Marcus rode his horse straight down the chasm and right into the underworld. Yo. And guess what? Guess what, though? He, he, what? The chasm closed and the city was saved. What? <laughs> no. What <the laughs> David, I don't think that happened. <laughs> no, it, it definitely happened. I think they found... You think Livy would lie to us? I think they found him... A strapped to an airplane seat with his head four feet underground. 
Nah, little Livy would never lie to us. Oh my god, are you fucking serious? Imagine riding a horse into a giant chasm and being like, like right when you leave the ground, you're like, I really hope this is hell. Because <laughs> if <laughs> imagine being the horse, the horse is like, what the fuck is this? I feel like the horse wouldn't even do that. Like you have to have a strong no. bond with the horse to be like, okay, here we go. But I have seen a deer to convince. <laughs> I have it. seen a deer jump off a freeway overpass by accident. So. If they're anything like deer, then, hey, they might have done it. Yeah. He had to maybe bash the horse's head with a fruitcake before doing it. <laughs> Wait, so the guy just wrote that the that the chasm clo- the chasm's just, like, not there anymore? Yeah, clo- and I think there's, like, a small hole in today's, like, modern society, but, like, it, like, closed up. What the fuck? Because the, the prophecy said that it would just keep growing until the whole city of Rome was swallowed oh up. Oh, my God. Well... I hope that the story is not true for that man's sake. <laughs> to dive head first. I hope it's true. I hope he didn't just fucking die and it was just like, oh no, it just it was fine. Like, Wait, we have some cement. Let's just use this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so uh, the next gate is Lake Avernus. This one gets a little hard with pronunciation because we are in Greece. Um, so the uh, in the Enid Aeneas enters um the underworld through um the avernus crater near the kuame in italy so it's like a cave that like a god would come in and out of like allegedly okay in italy um the the crater lake was a sacred place to the kumean sibyl and according to myth she would lead a uh, living traveler into the underworld through this gate. So, like, people that had died, she would, like, she was kind of, like, the the death. She would, like, take people through this, this gate to the underworld. Okay, she would walk them through. Okay. Yeah. Um, its name gives hints to why it might have been deemed such a deadly portal, being that uh, Avir- Everness... Everness comes from the Greek word that means birdless. No birds. Which links to the belief that birds flying over the lake would drop dead due to toxic fumes of the lake um, that it emitted. So, like, birds would just be flying and just drop dead. Well, that's not enough to scare the shit out of you. Yeah, but in today's world, the fumes have faded and birds will happily fly over the skies of the lake. Mm. So, like, they think, like, maybe they just, like, faded or maybe, who knows, the gods, like, moved on. Damn, that's crazy. I mean, that's how, like, every fucking horror movie starts. It's just, like, birds dying out of nowhere and everyone's like, what's going on? And you're like, oh, apocalypse. Yeah, the the birds know. (laughs) Birds always know. (laughs) So, uh, the next one is one I actually experienced personally, and that would be the Mayan, uh, cenotes. Oh, is that the pyramid? You know the about pyra- cenotes? The, um, is, oh wait, is the cenote like the water hole? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Those things are cool. It's like an, yeah. Um, so the Mayans believe that these natural underground waterways located in Mexico and Central America were thought to be home of the rain god, uh, Chak. And portals to Zibala, which is uh, their, which is what they believe to be the afterlife. Mm. So I guess I didn't actually put in like explain it. So if you don't know what cenote cenote is, is they're typically like a um, 
kind of like a little swimming hole that are underground in caves. Yeah, you've seen a guy named Kyle do a gainer off of it into the afterlife. Yeah, <laughs> after he chugs a monster energy drink and punches a hole in the drywall. <laughs> I punched a hole in the afterlife. <laughs> Just a chunky rift, a new metal chunky rift. A nice chunk rift. Can I get my rift so, extra uh, chunky? Yes, please. <laughs> so these uh, these caves were often seen as gateways to the afterlife in the Mayan worldview, literal passageways between the living world above and the realm world below. Archaeologists have found Mayan temples and human remains in some of the uh, cenotes of the uh, Yucatan Peninsula and possible legendary sites of Zabalba. Uh, God, I can't fucking say that word. Zibalba? Zibalba, I'm probably pronouncing that I wrong. Trust you. Um, yeah, Yucat- which is like their afterlife. The, um, interesting enough, too, the Yucatan Peninsula was where um, the meteor that killed the dinosaurs, uh, that's where that hit. Yeah. Which is fucking crazy. Pretty wild. The big one? Yeah, the the biggest. The big mm. boom? <laughs> the big hit? Um, Big Bang Theory, Bazinga. Um. <laughs> uh, Man, is that is that so, one of the portals to hell? Yes, Bazinga. Sheldon's apartment. <laughs> Do you guys like Adams? <laughs> he makes us men of science look bad, okay? He really does. He needs to lay off of it. <laughs> so, uh, while other traditions put entrance, entrances in Coban, Guatemala, or Belize... Um, People believe that these these ones in Mexico are like the true ones because they had like Mayan temples built underground with the cenotes. That would make sense. Um, yeah. So what was once seen as a mythical gateway to the afterlife in fear are now seen as tourist destinations by people like yours truly because they were fun to swim. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you challenge the gods? Did you, did you feel somebody tickling well, your feet from down below? He's going to pull you down. Just a little fish. He'll pull you down. Just a little fish. <laughs> little fish goud. So, well, this list um, of these legendary gateways to hell keep going to the point that it feels like it's my personal gateway to hell <laughs> um, is sitting here finding <laughs> this endless stories of different gateways to write about. Uh, so this is where um, I'm going to cut it short. <laughs> So if this is a topic you guys are interested in, there might be other parts um, to these gates, you know. So I will, uh, you know, end it here, like I said. And if Gateways to Hell is what you are looking for, there could be one in your backyard. You just got to get out and find it. You got to go get your flashlight and your best friend from the 80s and go Mm. exploring. And then they're just going to find your bikes, uh, you know, tilted over. And then they're going to... The wheel's still Kevin? spinning. Where's Kevin? I haven't seen Kevin in a while. Kevin! And then Kevin's just... Kevin! <laughs> it's supper time, Kevin! <laughs> it's supper time. Kevin, he... Spaghetti and meatballs, Kevin, your favorite. He, Come he on. never takes off his red hat. Why is his red hat on the <laughs> ground? He never takes his red hat off. And his Walkman with the cassette tape? He, he never takes... It. Anyway, you guys get it. Go check it out. You guys get it, yeah. okay? Well, I think that wraps up our stories for today. Thank you guys so much for uh, checking it out. 
checking out the podcast again. Hope you guys liked it. Um, if you guys want any more information, just go to our Instagram. Go to uh, you know social media. We're most active on Fuck it. Instagram. Fuck it all. Follow <laughs> <laughs> social media. I don't know. Anyway, go check that out. We got merch too. If you guys want that, just go go get go find some merch. If not, get a shirt from Goodwill and write Camp Strange on it. You made merch. Look at that. Beautiful. Um yeah, look at and that. if you guys want to rate, review, and subscribe, you could do that too. If not, then I'm gonna find a portal to hell and throw you in. Anyway, <clears throat> and then I'm going to make a documentary out of it. So, um David, what else do we got, dude? Oh boy, I've got the lost flavors of Starburst. I got the. It's a brown, brown wrapper. I have the lost underwear of Werner Herzog, and it is very, very stinky. Very stinky. You got the stinky leg of whatever the fuck his name is, Hans Zimmerman. Uh, Hans Zimmer is the guy who scores all Chris Nolan's movies. (laughs) I said Zinderman. Oh, Oh, Zinderman. Oh. Oh, you don't know about Zinderman? I have, I have Zinderman stinky, stinky underwear. Um, I have shoes and they're Velcro. Thank God. No one's, no one knows. I don't know how to tie me shoes. I've got Shaquille O'Neal's rights. He can make you as many ads as you want for whatever shitty insurance company you got. I have a mirror that makes you a little bit fatter. I got a wingless bird. <laughs> I have a pillar, um, one pillar in my house, and it is bearing all the weight, and it is not well constructed. Got a double-sided light bulb. I don't know how to plug it in, but you I might. I have Cheddar Bay Biscuits from Red Lobster. I have a cup made of scotch tape. I have scotch in my cup. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't. You know why? Cause I'm a whiskey man. Anyway, I th- I know I've got an empty glass of whiskey here. I need to go fill that bad boy back Hell up. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, I think that wraps it up for today. David, do you have anything to say before we leave? Um, tell your parents you love do them. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. And don't forget to stay strange. <laughs>